I'm standing on the edge of the Jordan River in the place that many people believe that Jesus was baptized. And I want you to know the significance of this. John the Baptist had been going through the countryside and this was his message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he was telling them Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You better repent. You better get ready. And he was baptizing people in, in this water, in, in the Jordan River. He was baptizing people. Now, Jesus comes to him and in the Gospels it's written, I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 1. And this is, this is what was said. They were describing John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1. John, and verse 7 says, and, his me and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, John the Baptist speaking. The thongs of whose sandals I am not even worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what John the Baptist was saying. And listen to this, verse nine, at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. John didn't want to do it. He had just said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And in another account, he pushed back and said, bro, I don't know that this is a good idea, but he baptized him somewhere in this river, not too far from where I am. And as Jesus was coming up out of this water, being torn open, and the Spirit came descending down like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out to the desert to be tempted for 40 days. Now, here's a couple things. The first one is, is the meaning behind baptism. There's three different baptisms. There's baptism in the body, which is the day that you get saved. And then there's baptism in water, which is a representation of us in Christ. And then, and then baptism in the Spirit, when you say, Holy Spirit, I want all of you. Here's where I think most Christians are. Most of you have been baptized in the body because most of you have said, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And if you haven't, today is the day for salvation. But for those of you that have, I wonder if you've had the washings or baptisms really take place in your life. Because most of you, what you do is you say yes to Jesus and then you stop there. If Jesus Christ got in these waters and said, I want baptism to take place as a representation of me being set apart and following what God has called for me to do, then, then shouldn't you? Shouldn't you? And this is the other big thing is this water, this this river represents new beginnings. Many of you have, have gone through a prayer, gone through the motion, or many of you like me, when you were a little kid, you said a prayer, but you might not have meant it. And today, you need to say, you know what? I'm gonna be baptized. I want a new beginning for my life. I want a new marriage. I want a new way. I want Jesus to be all for me in my life. I, I'm ready, let's go. And so what we're gonna talk to you today about is a new beginning. What we're gonna talk to you today about is taking that bold step of saying, I want the world to know that I am His. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm gonna take that next step in following Jesus. I will be baptized just like Jesus was in these waters. I will do that today. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up with us as we look at what does it really mean to be baptized. What is up? Four Points Church. I'm trying that again because it was just buck wild up in this mug and y'all let it tone down because of a video. So let me try that again. What's up, Four Points Church? 
Hey, listen, I got, I got something for you today. And I'm all kinds of wound up. So if you're not a four-pointer and you're a guest today, let me start with saying what an honor it is to have you. And if you wonder if we're always this rowdy, the answer is yes. Come on, somebody. But today is a little bit extra Holy Ghost fiend. That's caffeine, but the Holy Ghost, if anybody doesn't know. And we're fixing to take it up 10 notches. So whatever you think you've experienced, get ready. And But this is what... This is what I hope you'll do. I, I am preaching on baptism today, but it is much different than I've ever preached on baptism before. Whoo! And so let me just give you a picture of why this message took place. About six weeks ago, I started praying and believing God for some stuff for this church and for the kingdom. And, uh, and I, I'm just, I want to be real with y'all. I was praying things like, God, we really want to hang these speakers. This is the truth. I'm not making this up. We really want to, not these. We really want to buy some speakers that we can fly and build the stage up and take the soundboard and build it back and make this place exactly like we wanted it all along. Right? Some of y'all understand that I'm really big, but sometimes I love you, where's Brian? But he's not. So like, <laughs> and we wanted that. And so I started praying those things, God, this is what we need. And as God is my witness, Nope, you got all that you need. You got all that you need. It's okay to want those things. That is not a bad thing at all. We're going to do it. But he said, you got all that you need. And I fought with him. <laughs> I said, nah, you don't understand, God. I know you got and all, but you need to take a chill pill and listen to what I'm saying for a minute, right? He said, you got all that you need. And so over the last six weeks, I've spent some time praying and trying to seek out what that meant. And an absolute nuclear war went off in my, in my heart. And it's a good thing. And he shredded me. <clears throat> See, when we think of baptism, we think of things like um, when I was six, I got baptized because I said a prayer. And I believe that in my heart, I really meant it. I, I wanted to get baptized, but I really meant it. But I didn't really get set apart. And then when I was a little bit older, a shift took place in my life and I got called out and shifted in and something God did something really crazy and I believe that day I was called to ministry and that day I was stretched out and that day he changed my life forever and ever and that day is going to be today for some of you but then even deeper than that he never wants to stay on that first day so get this don't miss this the day that you got saved all your sins were forgiven and listen carefully all your sins were forgiven and you will always be God's. But that doesn't mean that you'll always be filled with his spirit. That means you will always be his and one day you'll reach heaven. But God did not create you a being with choice so that you could just go to heaven one day, but so that he could bring heaven to earth through you. And he sent his son to take on sin and death so that he could leave his spirit in you. And most of us are waiting on a pastor or an awesome worship team to give a word or to lift our spirits. And he is the spirit that will lift you up. And he is the representation of I took death and hell, but you get raised to life in Jesus' name. And today, many of you are gonna walk out of here different than you were before. And so I wanna give you background. As we start in Mark chapter one, I just want you to understand that John was awesome and he was crazy and that cat wore camel's hair and ate locusts and honey and 
When I was a little kid, uh, my dad was a pastor in Florida and I was about a year and a half old and I ate a palmetto bug in Tampa, Florida this big and sent, and after that they called me Mark the Baptist because I ate the locust and honey. Come on somebody. But he was the first cousin of Jesus and, and he did not want he did not want to baptize Jesus. Now can anybody blame that cat? I was the son of God and even though it's your cousin, who wants to baptize that guy, right? But Jesus said, no, I've got to give them the picture of what it's like to get set apart and then something really cool happened at the end of that. And it says, and John the Baptist finally agreed to it and John the Baptist preaching saying, after me comes somebody that's some kind of amazing, way mightier than me. The straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. In verse eight, I have... What's this word? I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And many of us have been saved and we're just waiting on God to shift something in our lives. And we know all the junk. Listen, I've dealt with some of the junk in your lives this week. I know how hard life is. And we're waiting on God to move something. It's like I've moved you. I gave it to you. And every time you shift, know that hell is coming with it. And every time I move, know that more hell is coming. And if I have the Holy Spirit of the living God filling my life, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And no hell can touch me because I've got the real he, Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, from Galilee, in that place that you just saw in the video and was baptized by John. Now, he did not get saved. He was perfect. And he was the son of the living God. But you can't miss this because we're going to get there in a second. But he had a human body. And that human body's name was Jesus. And inside of him was the fullness of God and his name was Christ. And there is a difference. But they were one and the same. And so Jesus, being fully man, comes and gets baptized. And when he came up out of the water as a representation of being set apart, immediately the heavens split open. Today, some of you are going to see the heaven split open, and you may not see God in all his glory standing in heaven. If you do, I really want to know about it, because I think that would be awesome, somebody. But, but figuratively speaking, and what God does is he pours down his stuff on us and being torn open, the spirit, his spirit descended on him like a, what's this word? Like a dove. And in the Bible, the dove is a representation of the Holy Spirit falling on us. Now, here's something really interesting. As many of us experience new life in Christ, some of you haven't, and I'm so excited you're here. But many of us, many of us have experienced that. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm not, I'm not going to turn there, so don't look it up, or look it up later, but don't turn there now. 2 Kings 6 verse 25 says that the famine in the land was so bad that the people started eating, now this is crazy, buying donkey's heads. Does that start off really rough? Like, does anybody else think that that's weird? Donkey head, right? And then, for five shekels, doves dung. Does anybody know what dung is? Because I didn't get a reaction. They ate dove poop, right? That's weird. Until you stop and think about it. I believe that that's where the church is. We, we have a famine and you look outside and you see that everything's green and the gas is $1.39 and we're good. But we don't need gas for $1.39 or we don't need another present and I need the dove to fall fresh on my life today. And something might have happened three years ago when I keep eating on that dove's dung. 
God did not make you to look back on your life and say, that's how it always was and it was good back then. He made you new and fresh every morning. And he wants to give you his fullness, his pneuma, his breath in your life and fill you up so that you go out, not the pastor. My job, Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints for works of service. But 98% of the miracles in the Bible happen in the workplace, not in the church. And he's waiting on you. But most of us had an experience one time and we keep on eating the dove's dung and we say, I can't understand why God isn't doing new things every morning. It's because the spirit of God wants to fall fresh on you every day. And the reason baptism is so significant and important is because where Jesus did it, right, I mean, right past the Sea of Galilee, it starts again and goes all the way to the Dead Sea, the, the Jordan River, and it starts up in the mountains in the Golan Heights. And it represents new beginnings. And many of you, whether you're a Christian or not, need a new beginning in your life today. Six people at least are about to go through these waters and I believe some of you are about to go through these waters and you don't even know it yet. But God's going to shift something in your life and you're going to stand to your feet and say, I'm not really sure why I'm standing, but there's some kind of Holy Ghost fiend that you got that's already, this, it's something crazy happening and I'm standing up because I'm supposed to get in here. But then the dove is the anointing. Somebody say anointing. anointing. Not annoying. Anointing. And that's not a big fancy word. It's in the Bible. But it's not a weird word and it's not just denominationally, it's literal. God wants to put his anointing on you. God wants to put his grace, his newness, the grace of God. People say, what is grace? What is, it's favor, but it's anointing. And when you see people and things happen, you're like, what's wrong? How is this happening? It's not always money. And people are like, you'll receive a blessing from God. That run from those places if that's all they talk about. Sometimes hardship comes and it's not more money, but it is his favor. It is his blessing. It is his glory that falls on my life. And I want the dove in my life. Does anybody else? Am I the only one in this place that would like to see heaven fall and the heavens open up and see his glory fall on our lives? So one of our, one of our uh, core values at Four Points is that we will embrace change. And it's the story in 2 Kings 4 of the oil flowing. And as long as they had jars, the oil kept on flowing. And this is what the Lord spoke into my life six weeks ago and five weeks ago and four weeks ago and every day since. And I've just felt this heaviness is oil and water can mix. Like it's not just going through sacrimonial cool. That's not even a word, but y'all are going with it. That's not, it's not, it's, there's nothing special about this Rubbermaid 150-gallon horse trough. And that doesn't make magic happen. It's just a symbolic gesture of what he is in my life. But his oil, his anointing falling fresh in my life. Now that is what changes everything. And the oil and water can mix when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And it happens through one way. And I'm going to get there in just a second. Oil and water can mix and will mix. And your life will never be the same when that takes place. Second Kings chapter 4. Now a little bit of background. Oil was the most valuable commodity in the Old Testament. Most valuable. If you had lots of oil in your house, some oil was used for cooking, but a lot of oil was used for anointing, which means healing. It, it was embalming. It was, it was so valuable that if you remember the story, the alabaster jar, and then the other story that we have in the Bible, the, the prostitute that was setting herself apart and, and worshiping Jesus spent a year's wage on one small vase, on one small jar. So if you had a lot of this stuff, you had a lot of stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about in this place? Talk to me. We want oil. 
If we are living in this day, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about literally we would want oil, we would want a lot of stuff, but, but when you didn't have much, you were in trouble. Now the men would work, and the women would typically stay home and keep the house up. And here's the situation that we're in, 2 Kings 4, starting in verse 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, and they had a relationship, they knew each other from the past. Elisha was the great prophet of God that followed Elijah, and it says, your servant, my husband, is dead. Now we have a problem, Houston. Because that means no one's bringing home the oil, you know what I'm talking about? No one's bringing home the bacon. And so I've got to find some money somewhere. I don't know what to do. And here's the tension. And you know that my husband served the Lord. But their creditors are coming because they always get their stuff back in those days. And so I don't know what to do. Because the one thing that they want is not that woman. They don't want someone my age. They don't want a grown man. They don't want a grown woman. They don't want someone that isn't worth much. They want children they can raise up into warriors, into workers, into whatever they choose to be their slaves. And they would take the firstborn and then the secondborn if they had to every time. And it's a terrible situation. And you can imagine the, tor the torment that this woman's un under. That was much worse than losing her husband. Imagine losing your children to slavery. And so... Elisha says in verse 2, well, tell me what you want me to do. Because I can't, I don't have money. You know, I can't just make it rain and pass out money. So what would you have me do? And she said, your servant has nothing. How many times have we told God, God, I don't have anything, right? Like, I wish I could give that $30,000. I'm telling y'all right now, I wish I could give the $30,000 to to do what we need to do, but I do not <laughs> have $30,000. I might be able to scrounge to get a three hundo, but someone's going to have to help me out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I, I don't know what to do. I don't have this stuff. And she says, all I've got is this small, and it was probably little, jar of oil. Y'all remember the song back in the day, Little is Much When God is in it? Does anybody remember that song? My goodness, it's true. And today we're about to see it. I've just got this little jar of oil, and Elisha goes, well, bam, that's all you need. Why didn't you say that in the first place, right? You've got everything that you need because there's oil right there. And listen to me, the oil never stops flowing until it doesn't have anywhere to go. Look here, verse 3 says then, he said, go out, go everywhere and borrow vessels. And I'm looking at vessels in this place right now. I don't have to borrow any. God said, you have everything that you need right in this place. He says, borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty them out. And that's what God is looking for, by the way. He's not looking for you to just show up and punch your ticket for the week. He's waiting on you to empty yourself out so he can fill you up. He said, I need empty vessels and not a few. I need empty vessels and not just a few. Verse 4. And then they shut the door. After they get back, he said, go, go get the vessels and then shut the door behind you. And the reason for that is they would barge in and they would do anything, but if they shut the door, they would have a chance to do this before the creditors got there. And your sons pour into all these vessels. Keep it pouring. Keep it going. And watch, that little bit of oil is going to be unbelievable, and it's going to keep reproducing and reproducing because the oil never runs out. There is no limit to what our God can do. There's only a limit on our ability to contain it. And he's waiting. He's waiting on empty vessels. I'm telling you in this place that the oil is ready to flow. 
in every single one of you, regardless of your background and regardless, listen, of what you did last night. God is not a respecter of persons, and he does not look at me and go, man, pastor, great job. He's saying, man, pastor, empty yourself so I can fill you up. There is no limit to my oil. There's only a limit on what you can contain. And then when one is full, set it aside and keep going. And when it's full, it's full. It keeps going, and it keeps going. And, but, but, but it's the emptying that's the important thing. It's not just the filling and verse 6 says, verse 6 had trouble the first service, everybody. Verse 6, let me see. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. There we go. And he said to her, there's no more. And no longer is your pastor going to say there's not enough. Or there's no vessels. I'm going to preach kingdom and I'm going to preach what God has. And I love you and I hope that you'll receive it in God's name, in Jesus' name. Because I believe that he is waiting on every one of us to do a shift in this community. Not so a pastor's name gets known. But so that the name above all names get known. And so he can pour out and that it can flood through you. And then literally thousands, but I believe millions of people. So that all may know. Because it's not his will that anyone should perish, but he's a gentleman. And he's just waiting with a limited, or excuse me, unlimited supply of oil. And then it says the oil stopped flowing because it didn't have anywhere else to go. And the problem in the church is not an oil problem. It's a container problem because it has nowhere to go. And people show up in churches every day and they say, I hope that pastor's got a word for me today. Well, guess who's got a word? The one that was named word in John chapter one, verse one, Logos, the living active word who was Jesus and came and lived among us full of grace and full of truth. His name is word. Every time you open your Bible, you open Jesus in your life. And that is always the word. If you get something from me today, then praise God. But you have something on your desk that might have dust on it. That is the living active word of God. And that's how the oil flows. And when you pray, when you pray, and it's not just now I lay me down to sleep, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. But when you actually get with God and say, God, I am not worth a whole lot of anything, but I know who is. And I'm ready to see some oil flow up in this mug. Well, I don't have time. Oof, well, then you ain't got oil. So come on, somebody, right? And then the oil stopped flowing. We do not have an oil problem in this place. We have a container problem, a vessel problem. And I'm here to tell you today that before God, he told me that we don't have a vessel problem anymore because every one of you are about to open up and receive all that God has for your life. But the tension, the tension, and I felt this tension for the last six weeks, God continues to reveal. If you read social media, you saw this week something that I put on about... Um, selfishness and I just continue to realize this that I cannot be emptied out if I want the treasure for myself and I cannot become full of grace and full of truth because it was never about me in the first place that learns the truth or has the truth I will know the truth and the truth will set me free when the living God activates in my life and the oil begins to flow in and out and God never intended for the oil to go in and stay in and the reason that difficulties come in our life, read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The reason that we get crushed on every side is so the oil starts flowing out. Right. Not so that you go through hell and back, but because he loves to receive glory through difficult situations. And I just, I just want to give God praise today for Monty Williams, the coach for Oklahoma City. If y'all saw that story and I talked about it a couple weeks ago, that's how the oil flows. When your wife dies and you stand before millions with TV, I'm 
and you say <clears throat> that God works it all out for his good. Can I just tell you that I told Leah riding in the car this week, Leah, I don't want to die. I mean, I love my life. I love my skin. I love what I get to do for a living. But if millions of people would know Jesus because of my death, then let's go. And it begins to make more sense, doesn't it? When Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's the oil. Christ is the oil in me. It begins to make more sense when Peter and James and John said, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. You can circle things for a hundred times, but if you don't have the oil, you ain't getting anybody up from their death and walking. But the healing power is inside of you when you empty yourself out through the name of Jesus and he empties you, you don't. And he fills you up. But the deal is he can't fill an empty vessel that is being filled with trash. Trash and treasure cannot go together. The oil won't flow into a filthy container. The oil can't flow in a filthy container. That's the next slide. If y'all want to understand this, understand that Jesus was on the cross taking on all of our sin and death. And God the Father turned his back on him because he is holy and awesome and can't look at it. And people read this and they think, well, I've got to be good enough. No, you don't have to be good enough. He is so good. And he's just waiting on you to let God have all of you so the oil can flow. He took all that junk. But every day because of my selfishness, I let trash come in this treasure. This is just a container. It's nothing. But he's waiting on us. And so this is some things that came to my mind with containers, with vessels, what we are. First, some of my boys in here that I've uh, played ball with or I've been out to eat with, when y'all see young guys, this is not a young guy anymore, somebody, but when you see young guys in their 20s, y'all remember back in the day, or young gals, y'all remember when we were in our early 20s and we were in college, somebody, and we could go to McDonald's with our roommate and we could bust a 50 piece down and it never even mess with us. Come on somebody. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Why is it that the metabolism has to catch up? My goodness. Because we used to hammer that food up in there. Praise the Lord. And we'd act like we were studying at the Waffle House and we just got three meals and we just kept eating. And then I just stayed this skinnier than this and, and nothing ever happened. Now side pack. You know what I'm doing? Love handles. So let's say that we go out and I pretend that I'm in college again and I stop and instead of going in, we're going to go through the drive-thru and I got the party wagon, my van, and so I get all the boys and we're going to get a bunch of food, right? And I say, yeah, I would like the 50-piece because every guy's trip needs a 50-piece, right? And I'd like a couple Big Mac meals, all large drinks, of course. Come on, somebody. And I'd like, I'd like the two, because I don't know, if you weren't going to get the 50-piece, you had to get the two cheeseburger meal. Do y'all remember? Whew, praise the Lord for two cheeseburgers. Sometimes you stack them too, so you got to get the four cheeseburger meal. And I'm getting a bunch of food, a bunch of food. I got six value meals, all large, but we got Diet Coke because you can eat more if you drink Diet Coke, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about in this place. And I get done and they start bringing me my food. 192 ounces of Diet Coke, to God be the glory. I'll drink it all. And I'm sitting in my seat and I'm ready for them to go and they just start pouring Diet Coke in. And it's going everywhere. I'm like, wow, what's happening? My whole car's filling up with Diet Coke. I said, we don't have any containers. We don't have any cups. You're just going to have to take what we got. You know what I'm talking about? 
And then they dump, they just bring them like this and they just dump it in the window. 50 nuggets. And I got 50 nuggets and they're sticking to me because I already got the 192 ounces of Diet Coke on me. And I've got 10 cheeseburgers because we wanted a lot of cheeseburgers. Come on. And I've got Big Macs and I've got everything else and it's just everywhere in my van. I was like, what's wrong with y'all? And the thing that we never think about, I don't think about that cup. I do like styrofoam cups. Come on, Jesus. But I don't ever, I don't ever celebrate a styrofoam cup. A styrofoam cup costs one penny. I just like it because it keeps my drink colder longer. Praise the Lord. And it doesn't sweat. But I don't think about it. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for a cup. Why do we worship people? That's all we are. That's all we are. But if I take that cup away, it's not real good, is it? And I love McDonald's fries now. Maybe y'all don't. But it's crack. And it is amazing. But if I don't have, when, when I'm in my car and I don't have that red box of beauty that holds my french fries hot and ready, it's not good on my lap if they just came out the fryer. Are y'all with me in this place? <laughs> That's not the Holy Ghost, but it felt like the Holy Ghost up in this place. And we don't celebrate containers. Containers, they're just little worthless things. And then this is the other thing that came to my mind. My bro, Mr. Davin at Pizza Inn, got me some boxes. Pizza Inn. Meaty Max, somebody, come on. <laughs> These boxes cost 23 cents. 23 cents. And I have never left Pizza Inn. I go there all the time. I've never left Pizza Inn with a pizza. And I love some dessert. Is anybody else with me? Some chocolate chip up in this mug. There is Holy Ghost and chocolate chip pizza. Come on. But I've never left there and go, thank you, Jesus, for this box. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I've never said, I am so thankful for my 23-cent box. But if you took the box away, and I had the Meaty Max in one hand and the chocolate chip in the other hand, they're just running down, and they're falling on the ground like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep it, and I'm trying, and I'm doing whatever. I would not, I would not be very happy, and I would really wish that I had this container to put them in, 23 cents. Can I tell you that your pastor is a 23-cent box standing before you today? I'm just a container. The body says that, or the, the body does, we're the body, come on. The Bible says that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but that, that, that I'm going to go ashes to ashes, dust to dust one day. I'm not staying here forever. If I'm lucky, big as I am, I'm going to get 85 years in this mug, and then I'm going to start going to bones. And that makes some of y'all uncomfortable, but it's true. There's going to be worms and everything else, and y'all are uncomfortable with this, but it's the truth. But your body doesn't matter. It's a peanut shell. What's inside is what counts. And I spend 90% of my money or more and 90% of my time or more trying to dress up this box. And when I don't have satisfaction, then I start getting upset and depression kicks in. And the reason, listen, I'm not putting anybody down or making light of this, but the reason that suicide comes to so many it's not because they're horrible people. And I believe that if you got saved, you're in heaven. Don't let people lie to you about that. It has nothing to do with your soul. It's sin. It's just like our sin. But they look for once in the last time and they say, I'll never be good enough. My box is worthless. I'm just junk. I'll never be good enough. And we tear ourselves apart. And then we tear other people apart, don't we? Social media is a cesspool of death. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about in this place? And we just I hate you. I can't believe you said this about me. Oh, I hate your guts. And then selfishness begins to be what I am, not what I become. 
And I'm just filled with me, filled with me, filled with me. And to deal with me, I fill my treasured body. I'm supposed to hold the glory of God with all kinds of trash. I've got to feel better. So the thing that's not sin, if you just go buy a beer, I do not believe it's a sin. I believe it's neutral. But it becomes, not only does it become a sin, but it becomes a spirit battle because you're filling the thing that's supposed to hold the spirit of the living God with that trash. And then sex that is amazing. If anybody wants to argue with me, that's your bad. It's awesome. Praise God for sex. But only when it's with a husband and a wife and it gives glory to God because it's the picture one and one become one. When two people who are far from each other come together, that is Jesus and Mark and his salvation in my life. God gets glory when I'm not doing it for selfish ambition or pride or when I'm not trying to run around find that next one I can mack on or when I'm not looking on the internet trying to find a hoe that I can watch because that is the life that we live and I'm not trying to be funny or call names. And we rip our boxes apart because we are all 23 cent boxes. I stand before you today as your pastor to tell you this. In the last week I've preached seven times. A couple of those times were in front of big crowds. A couple of those times were in front of small crowds. A couple of those times were in front of 150 people like this. And there's never one time that I'm not a little bit intimidated. I love to talk about Jesus, but I get cotton mouth. I have all kinds of insecurities. I have all kinds of faults. I have all kinds of things that I'm not proud of. And do you know that God has never concerned himself with any of those things? He's just waiting on me to say, God, you can have all of me and fill me up. And then all those things that I know about me are not what y'all see if I'm letting the Holy Spirit flow in and out and letting him have all access to my life and being baptized in him, being taking on his death and raising on newness of life, not cutting myself or not trying to be good enough. Religion says you have to keep going and do more. Jesus says you just have to empty out and let me have all of you. Listen to me very carefully for the rest of your lives. You will battle this unless you really get Jesus. And I'm not talking about a Bible story or a rhyme. I'm talking about this and I'm about to preach because I ain't even started preaching yet, but it's almost over. Because this is what happened with Jesus. This, this little girl named Mary, not the one whose fleece was white as snow, not the one who had the sheep, but the one who had the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, that one. She had a clay jar just like us, and the Holy Spirit said, I want to fill you, but I want to do something different. I want to give my son the word. I want to give him a body so that he can come and change the whole world with his kingdom. But I'm not going to do it through him. I'm going to let him take on all of your junk so I can do it through you. And the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that I could be the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became all of your sins so that I could be the righteousness of God. Now let me use this box and show you what happened. Mary did have Jesus. And Jesus had a body just like yours. He had a clay vessel. He had a 23 cent body that is going to get jacked up and going to get bruised and going to get damaged. And we so ask God, God, fix my body. And we miss the whole point that he made you to be eternal through your spirit, not through your clay vessel that you are walking around in. And looking at yourself in the mirror, you hate your guts, but you don't understand that that's Satan's win in your life because what's inside of you is what counts. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit if you know him. And this is how Jesus 
said, I'll take on all that death and I'll take on all that sin by letting you have my body. And Satan thought he won when this happened, by the way. And they crushed him and they plucked his beard and 39 times, 39 he was hit and his, the Bible says that his back was like ribbon that that was one away from the death penalty and they kept him alive and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they dropped nails into his hands and into his feet and they mocked him and ridiculed him and he was broken and beaten and he shed all of that blood and can you imagine I bet that he didn't have much blood left but then they pierced his side with a spear and the Bible says my goodness I'm about to preach because the Lord just gave me something that blood and water flowed out thank you Lord and when that blood and water flowed something happened because three years earlier he had been baptized and his spirit came down from heaven and filled him and what was a body was fully God and even though Jesus said it is finished and they buried him in a borrowed tomb for three days Christ didn't die Actually, Christ left that body and went down into this place called the grave, Sheol, the picture of hell. And Satan was celebrating up top, but what he didn't realize is, listen, Satan's not in hell. He's going to get kicked into hell one day. He is the prince of the power of the air and the king of this world. And he thought he had won because he knew that the body of Jesus was in a tomb, but it was borrowed so that he could buy you. And he went down and bought you with his blood and he came back up. Gracious day, he came back up. And when he came up, he set the captives free. And Revelation 1 says he took the keys of death and hell. And then he gave them to you. And he said, let's go. But then he rose. He said, this tomb's not where I'm staying here. We can't stay here. We got to go. And many of you are in this beat up box. But the minute I take on Christ, the minute I say, I can't do this. He says, you're new. I know you think you're this beat up box, but you're new in me. Rise up, church. We're new in Jesus Christ. We're new. We don't have to believe that we're what we were. We're new in Jesus Christ. We're new. And then watch this. My goodness, this is so good. Y'all can keep standing, sit and do whatever you, the Lord tells you to do, but listen to me. Because here's what happened all these people that did so many stupid things loved Jesus the whole time they knew how jacked up they were they told everybody how stupid they were how jacked up they were I'm just a 23 cent box Lord there's no way I'm good enough he said just be empty I got you and then he went up to heaven and his spirit rose into heaven it's like oh no it's gone but 50 days later at this place called Pentecost in this upper room that dove came back down but that dove didn't come down for one. <clears throat> I'm just so broken because I know what can happen when the fire falls. Because it stops being weird that healings happen and it stops being weird that miracles take place and it stops being weird that prophetic voices and discerning voices and wise voices 
starts speaking out and it stops being weird that the pastor goes crazy and jumps around and wants to jump, just wants to go nuts during a worship service because it's all about him. And I stop worrying about everything else and I just say, let's get rid of this trash and let's fill it up with your treasure, Holy Spirit of God. Let's do this thing right now. And I am so consumed as your pastor, I'm so consumed with what people think and hoping we make it. And God said, stop worrying about that stupidity. Just open up and watch what happens. Watch what happens when my spirit falls. So here's the close today, guys. Before God, I believe there's many people in this place that this is your reality. Because the reality is that there's a real place called heaven and it's awesome and I can't wait to go there and there's a real place called hell. And I could describe hell to you because it is torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth and fire. But the worst thing is when that spirit leaves your body, you're separated from the spirit of the living God forever and ever. He can never call you home if you miss God. If you fill your life with all the trash in the world and never receive the glory of God in your life through salvation in Jesus Christ, there's no hope after that. And before God, your body goes into the ground, but it doesn't stay there. It goes to Sheol into that death that Jesus robbed through his blood-bought purchase that you don't have to be anymore. He bought you with a price and it was that blood and water spewing out. That's the word in the Bible, by the way, for honor and glory. It's time in the Greek. He bought you with something so valuable you can't even put your mind to it. And the reason the oil flows is because I received his blood and water and that's how oil and water mix. But many of you will hear a message or hear amazing worship and you'll say, I can't stay here. But I don't know if I want to give everything up. Why would you worry about a 23 cent box when he has a kingdom filled with treasure that he wants to give you? It ain't about money. It's not about fame. It's about the glory of God falling on your life before God. I'm just asking you right now. Who in this place has never received Jesus? I'm not going to ask you to bow your head or close your eyes because I believe God's moving in your life and I know that you feel something deep in your soul. That's the Holy Spirit's move. Who in here knows that that's you and knows that you need to get saved right now for the very first time? You stand to your feet. I know there's people in this house. Come on, somebody. If that's you in this place, you stand up. Stand up right here and right now. I see you in the back. Who else is it? Who else is it? Come on. Don't let it just be them. Don't let it just be them. Let it be somebody else. Who's ready to say, I will not stay here and I will move and I will trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I will trust Jesus Christ. If you two could go back and the people that are getting baptized, you move right now. You move right now. Now's the time to move. If you're going to get baptized, you just walk to the back this way. And here's another invitation. I believe that God has called some of you today who might have played games when you were younger or might have truly gotten saved when you were older. And you held on to the dove's dung because you got baptized when you were a little kid, but you really met Jesus now. And it's time for you to be set apart. Listen, we got clothes in the back and we're about to sing a song. This is symbolic. This is not magic. This is not if I don't do it, I'm not really saved. This is not if I don't do it, I can't be filled. But this is, I mean business up in this mug. And I think there's a bunch of people in this mug right now that's ready to mean business up in here. I don't care what anybody thinks. Pastor, that's my day. Now's my time 
Jesus said, don't worry about your father and mother. Don't worry about anybody else. It's time for you to get baptized in this place. If that's you and you know you need to be set apart, but you're ready to go through the stirring of the waters of baptism, stand up to your feet right now. I believe it's people in this place. Let me see you. Come on. Stand to your feet. Who else? Go ahead. Come on. Just walk to the back. Who else? Who else? I believe it. I believe there's more. I believe there's more. Who needs to go through these waters right now? Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Lastly, this is for everybody else. We got everything we need in this house. We got everything we need in this house. We got everything we need in this house. And here's how I know that. Because I'm looking at a bunch of Christians who are about to be a bunch of crazies. Y'all know what I'm talking about in this place? Who are ready to say, I don't care what they think anymore. I'm ready to be one of the 98% of the miracles that happened outside of the church God has called me to tell you that you're the miracle. And that even though God can do anything that he wants, and he can. I mean, God could just breathe and everything would change, but he, he decided to make a being that had to choose. And he is ready to flow, but he wants to use you. This is, I think, the greatest verse to give you an example of what that means, a daily baptism in his spirit and allowing his oil to flow. Look at this. It's, I urge you, I appeal to you, brothers, in views of God's mercy by viewing what he's done to you. Like, I don't even know what that means. It means that I look at my box that was filled with trash and I realize that he took on sin and death and that is what I don't deserve. But it's the glory of God in my life and, and, and if I just thought of that, I could pray for five hours every morning because how in the world does he love a jacked up person like me? By viewing those things, the mercies of God, I present my body. God, I'm just opening myself up. This vessel's yours and I'm letting you have all of me today. I don't know where we're going to go or what we're going to do, but let's do this thing as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of, y'all say it. This is your spiritual act of. This is your, I'm, everybody's going to do it, so y'all just go ahead this time. Hey, this is your spiritual act of. Not raising your hands during a service, and that's awesome, and it gives glory to God, but you opening yourself up saying, I want all of you, let's go, let's do this thing at where I live, work, and play today. That's your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Satan attacks here so he can never have all of here. He says, let me have this. I've got all of this. Come on, somebody. Let me have that, and don't fill it with trash anymore. And then watch what happens. This is how you know. God's will for your life, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Now here's where you've got to respond. This right here needs to be full. I'm watching y'all and I know God's dealing with you and I'm letting this be. I, I, you sing with us, but you lay on your face before God if he's pulling on your heart right now. And if no one does, I got respect for you that you're being honest. But if you know that God's called you and you haven't been the glory of God, the light, that the city set on a hill, if you know that God wants to shift something in your life and he wants to do the miracle through you and we've got all that we need in this house, but he's waiting on you to do the miracle, then I want you to get up out your seat. Everybody's going to get up, so don't just sit there. Come on, somebody. I want you to get out your seat and make all of this your altar. You can stand. You can sit. You can do whatever you want. And if you're already moving, if God's already shifted something in your life, you sit where you are. But if you know that this is you and you know that God wants to do it through you and you know that you need to move, get up right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. I'm so thankful. Not because of what I've done not because I sweated and went crazy and yelled, not because of an amazing worship experience, 
but because the only real gift that keeps on giving is the oil that flows in my life every day. Your steadfast love is new every morning. Your mercies never come to an end. They're new every day, God. Thank you. And God, right now, we set ourselves apart in Jesus' name to be filled with you so that we can see a kingdom shift. Lord, everything we need is in this house. And I pray for the people sitting and the people kneeling. God, it's not about if we move. It's about if you have us. And I pray that you do a shift that we cannot imagine in this place. Lord, I believe that you're about to do something that is so big that it blows our minds. And it's because of those things and because of Jesus that we lift our hands right now and we glorify your name. And everybody said...